Hi, and welcome to my podcast and post on Is This As Good As It Gets For Semiconductors? Uh, just briefly before I start talking about, um, one observation I've made when I was fooling around on my website is I think some people only see the podcast and they don't see the attached notes. Um, I'd recommend uh, you to look at the attached notes to all my podcasts. They tend to give you some more detail and give you a bit of context for, for where things are going. So, uh, semiconductors. Now, it's almost impossible to overstate the awesomeness of the rally in semiconductor stocks. They have been just a phenomenal place to have been invested over the last 10 years. Um, and even you know since the COVID low, they're up nearly 200%. Absolutely phenomenal performance. Now, the semiconductor industry is an interesting one, and it's very different to a lot of other tech industries in that it's CapEx heavy. Um, what that means is, so if you take a software, software doesn't require a lot of CapEx. So once you get going, it's just money for old rope. Money just comes in. Semi's a bit different. You need to put money up front. Um, now, that has both downsides and, and upsides. The upside is that when demand is very strong, it's very hard for the industry to respond to that supply. And so in upturns, it gets pricing power. However, if demand then suddenly drops off and there's a lot of excess capacity coming on, you get downturns. So if we look at like the SOX index, which is the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, SOX as it is on Bloomberg code, compared to NASDAQ, you can see how it absolutely went gangbusters in the late 90s, 2000s, and then suffered a very, very long bear market before in recent years starting to take off again. This is versus NASDAQ, so absolute performance have been wonderful, but I'm just saying it's relative performance against NASDAQ has been fantastic for the last five, six years. Um, now, one of the great things about the semiconductor industry is, is you don't have to really look that hard for real-world indicators of where this industry is going. Um, TSMC is the biggest component of the SOX at the moment um, and is a fantastically transparent company. So every every uh, quarter it releases uh, how many how many wafers it's produced, which always almost always goes up except in big downturns. And then you can work out pricing, um, basically taking revenue divided by wafers. What you can see is around 2013, after a 10-year bear market in pricing, it suddenly moved higher again. Uh, and so suddenly for every chip they were producing, they gained more money. Uh, and this is a, you know, really transforms the profitability of this industry quite a lot. Um, so what you can see, you know, again, away from just TSMC is we get a worldwide semiconductor sales, which includes all companies uh, in all areas. You can see that semiconductor sales have just gone gangbusters. Uh, you know, you have a period that looks v vaguely similar as the early 90s and the late late 90s. Um, so you've really had a strong period of rising uh, of rising sales. The thing about the semiconductor industry is it constantly grows. All of us use more semiconductors today than we did two, three years ago, whether it's by having a, a more powerful phone, uh, a newer car, drone, PC, laptop, doesn't matter. We are always using more semiconductors. Uh, and if you think about you know more online transactions, that's all powered by servers. So semiconductor use per capita always goes up. It's just that's the way it is. The problem with the industry is that it should also be a deflationary industry. What I mean by that is no one really wants to use uh, a chip that was made two or three years ago. So a chip two or three years ago, if you try to sell today, you should be selling at a massive discount, uh, even bigger, bigger than a used car discount. It's just because it goes, it's not usable anymore. It's outdated and obsolete. Historically speaking, that's what's hap usually happened or used to happen. 
But what we've been in is a period of very strong demand. Even old chips have had pricing power. So what I'm trying to do is work out, you know, where are we on the supply demand uh, area for semiconductors? It's a little bit tricky to work out uh, supply capacities, particularly as China is a big investor now, and they become a little bit more uh, cautious on the data that they give out, given the restrictions that have been placed on recently. But we look at uh, two large U.S. Uh, manufacturers, uh, Applied Materials and LAM Research, we can see sales for both of these companies have gone gangbusters the last few years, like it did in the late late 90s, especially for AMAP. Um, so we know there's supply out there, um, definitely supply out there. The question is one of demand uh, and of pricing. So one of the areas I think that has been very good for uh, demand and for pricing for semiconductors has been the cryptocurrency area. Um, the rise of crypto... Um, and particularly Bitcoin, which has a tendency to rise over time given the way they use hash rates and its energy usage, does theoretically change this industry dramatically from one that should always be deflationary to potentially inflationary. So if you believe in cryptos, then you know semiconductors will continue to outperform going forward. You know, they may have periods of slightly you know derating, but it should be a gray area. Um, however, there is very another way of looking at this is that um, when I look at uh, electricity prices in the States, which is a big component of the cost for mining Bitcoin, what you can see is that uh, natural gas prices, which is a big driver of electricity costs in the States, has begun to break out in the US. It's broken already out in Asia and in Europe. Um, and this creates less profitability for Bitcoin miners, particularly when Bitcoin has been a bit more lackluster as it, as it has been over the last year. And so this starts to reduce demand for mining equipment. Um, and so what you can see is that there's a potential uh, problem for the semiconductor industry here is that if the deflationary, very loose monetary conditions that we've seen globally has been driven by the very weak energy market that we've seen over the last 10 to 15 years, um, what would imply then is as natural gas and energy prices rise, monetary policy begins to tighten and speculative assets such as Bitcoin and some of the other cryptos start to start to come under pressure. And so you start getting this sort of negative feature or the semiconductor industry starts to trade negatively relative to the oil and gas industry. That is, in some ways, uh, crypto was a, you know, the energy usage of crypto was a reaction to the uh, excessive amount of energy that we had out there. And as that energy capacity has been cut and demand has started to catch up to supply, we start to see those two trends reverse. So a nice way of thinking about that would be taking the SOX index and comparing it to the Dow Jones Oil and Gas Producer Index. I like them. They're both US-based, both many US companies. And you can see a very nice chart here, which is reflecting the, you, know, you can see the dot-com uh, bubble and then burst and the big oil boom that went from 01 through to 09. Um, you can now see you get a very nice turn, uh, which is broken lower. And still offers, you know, you know, very significant moves if you really believe this is a logic. Um, and for me, I think it looks quite interesting. It looks very compelling. Um, markets tend to do this. They move from areas of uh, uh, under not enough capacity investment breeds higher returns, which then brings in capex, and then reduces returns. And you know, this looks like uh, it's starting to be reflected in markets. All right. Well, thank you for your time uh, and I will talk to you soon.